I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. This is Romy Newman. Today, I'm talking to Janine Uzel, who is the new COO at Wikimedia Foundation. Janine joined Wikimedia after a long and storied career at GE, and we're so lucky to be with her today. She's inspiring, and I know you will be inspired. So welcome to the show, Janine. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks again, Romy. So would you be willing to tell us all about you and your career and your decisions and your turning points? Absolutely. I can't wait to dig into this with you. It's going to be fun. How did you start your career? Well, I wrote my first code. Um, I probably, when I was, you know, in high school with my math tutor, I remember my first if-then statement. Um, And I had a tutor for math, needed some help, um, learned some really fun things, but wasn't sure that I was going to study in that space, but ended up going to school for engineering and was really looking for a way to partner my passion for healthcare and um, and engineering. And so I went into healthcare technology, which is a little bit more common now, but was quite rare when I graduated from high school class of a long time ago. And so working in the healthcare space, you know, I was working um, as a product engineer on technologies and spent almost two decades at General Electric. I started in the healthcare business there. And, um, worked on our diagnostic imaging equipment. So that's the big equipment that you see when you're in a hospital, things like CAT scans and MRs and x-rays. And I was doing operations for uh, for those products and had a really, really cool and unique opportunity that literally changed the shape of my career. And that was when I was doing some missions work in Africa with uh, Doctors Without Borders as a volunteer. And, and when I returned, really oh, that was, it was, so it was intense. Um, it was 20, 24 days in, in Kenya, but it was also an opportunity for me to use some of my skills um, in the healthcare space, um, not as a doctor, but as a, as an engineer. But when I came back to GE after those days, I had, you know, saved up my vacation and took my leave and came back. And here's where it happened. We were preparing to uh, really understand our, our healthcare products in emerging markets. And I received a phone call from our then chief technology officer for the healthcare business, Mike Barber. And he invited me to a meeting um, to talk about emerging markets and global health. And we were discussing the plan for healthy imagination, which was GE's commitment um, to better health for all people. And I lightly said in a meeting, well, we don't really do that. And Mike was like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, our healthcare solutions don't serve all people, um, you know, because they don't serve the oh, base of the so pyramid. Bold. I oh, love my God. That I was willing to be so full. So that was a crazy moment. But if I could do it all again, if I could tell anyone to do anything, it's, it's, it's don't be afraid to be heard 
in a meeting. Don't forget, don't be afraid to say something, but make sure what you're saying is accurate, okay, <laughs> if you're going to speak up. And it was, and I had a chance to to teach some people about the base of the pyramid and healthcare. And as a result, literally, this doesn't always happen, but you never know when it can. Literally, I was given an opportunity to start studying our projects uh, and our and our products in the the place of disparity. So we started in rural parts of America, and then eventually we were funded to do some work in Ghana and across Sub-Saharan Africa, which eventually led to um, V-Scan and handheld ultrasound and me being an expat and building a team overseas and, you know, just engineering in a completely different way than I ever thought it would be used. So cool. Very and so cool. From, from there, where did you go? So I, you know, I, I've worked in so many businesses within GE in my, my 16 plus years there, healthcare, corporate, uh, the international division, which is called global growth and operations. And then I came to the research center and what technologist doesn't want to work at the research center. I was excited to be there and I went there to lead business development and then became the head of technology for the company. So this was a so chairman-led cool. initiative. Yeah, I mean, I remember, I'm just, just this girl from New Jersey that was writing an if-then statement and then, you know, leading um, a chairman's initiative. And what that means is, you know, our CEO at the time, Jeff Amell, wanted to focus on the uh, te- the female technical workforce of the company. And um, as had been the challenge in many companies, particularly tech companies, um, having women that weren't being promoted or didn't have a career path, weren't hiring, you know, hiring practices, things like that. So I had a chance to be an advocate and a voice for women in our company that needed me to show up every day on their behalf. And so even when I was maybe not as confident, maybe not as bold, I remembered each time that I wasn't standing for myself and every bold move that we made was for, you know, all of the women that were coming to work there every day and wanted to stay there and build there and lead there and design there. Um, And I had a chance to speak for them and to ensure that um, they were effective in their workplace. Everything from just how we're hired and paid to, you know, moms that were traveling and needed us to have a benefit where we could, you know, ship their breast milk home for them so that it could still be used. And these things happened. And I'm very proud that, that we embraced them as a, as a company and that I had a chance to be a voice for these women. Well, and that is what's so important. That's what brings real change. I mean, you talk about you established influence, you established yourself as a center of power, and then you used your power to do good for other women. And the result was that GE had one of the highest levels of, of, and has one of the highest levels of um, engagement among their female workforce and and, um, has great parental leave policies. So you really helped the organization uh, lead to being a great place for women. Uh, But now you're doing something else. I'm pretty proud of that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's really incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so now you're doing something else. Tell us, what, what do you do now? Okay, so I'm currently the COO for 
Wikimedia, which is the organization that drives a tool that I believe many of your audience is aware of, which is Wikipedia. And um, I just want to tell you, uh, like getting here was just an amazing journey because, you know, I, I, made a choice to to leave GE and it was not a bad breakup at all at all I had an opportunity to stay and continue there but I really wanted to continue to fulfill my personal mission as a leader and that is to do causal work that changes lives communities and the world and I really believe that uh, I had a chance to do that when I was overseas and, and working on some of these big projects and I wanted to do that again I didn't want to um, do traditional work. And so I decided to take a leave and um, go on sabbatical. And that was Which amazing. in and of itself is a tremendous benefit. Yes. Amazing. I, I never thought, you know, my family and I, we were taking bets. You'll make it two weeks, six weeks, a month, whatever. I ended up taking the entire year, spent quite a bit of time refreshing myself physically, emotionally, socially. Um, I did some unlearning because there are some things that I had picked up along the way that I didn't think needed to be a part of my toolkit anymore. Unlearning. I think I I need to do some of that myself. Seriously. And one of my colleagues uh, gave me that terminology. She's based in India. And she's like, you probably need to unlearn a few things because not everything that we learn is supposed to cover or go with us everywhere we go. And then I did something that I hadn't had a chance to do in years, which is like have unrestricted time with like my friends and my 87-year-old mom, the octogenarian of our family, my nieces and nephews, like literally like to go meet a friend and say, let's sit and talk. I got nowhere to go, (laughs) you know? So that was great. And then I got the phone call that said, you know, we want to talk to you. And to be frank, we were talking about a completely different role. There was no job description or spec in place for a chief operating officer. And I was talking to them about leading a completely different initiative and program, which was going to be very exciting for me. And what I'd like to say as a lesson from this is that No matter what you're studying and preparing for, because I was preparing every day for every interview for months that we had, but what is truly innate to who I am uh, is my rigor as an operations leader, um, the diligence that I learned at GE in, in designing metrics and building platforms and strategies. And I guess no matter what they asked me, that's what came out every time I spoke. And so when they called it was let's talk about what we'd like to see happen in this organization and the opportunity for you to come and lead as the COO. And that is, is kind of how I, how I landed here. I love it. It's so exciting. And I also love the structure and rigor that you apply to your career. You have a, you have a, a personal mission statement, which I think is incredible and really, um, thoughtful. So all that said, how has gender played a role in your career? Um, As you mentioned, you said there are not a lot of people doing healthcare technology when you started out, but really there were probably not a lot of women in technology. There were probably not a lot of women in healthcare technology. What was that like? And, And clearly you've been inspired to pave a better path. So tell us about that experience. Sure, and that's that's absolutely true. When I when I graduated in my school of engineering, I mean, as a mechanical engineer, there were only five women. 
Um, so that wasn't even like, you know, point zero zero one percent of my entire graduating class of, of mechanical and what was engineers. That like, when, like going to class? Well, you know, it was <laughs> I don't know if I was just having a great time because I was in college and I didn't, we, we knew there were only five of us and sometimes we'd rebel um, because the same little nuances would always happen. Like, you know, the guys miss class or sleep in class and want to take our notes, you know, and things like that. Or when it's time to work on the engineering design projects, you know, you capture the notes and I'm like, I want to blow something up too. I mean, what's the problem here? So, you know, you, you do experience it. those things. They just weren't as pronounced as they are today so we didn't I didn't like it would annoy us and um but we didn't we weren't or or vocal with it the way that we are now um even in my my career coming into this is I mean certainly how gender has played a role is that I've never in my leadership experience until I got to the research center I hadn't seen high-ranking women in technology so, I mean, many women in the technical workforce are leaving these highly technical roles, and they're still, re- you know, remaining technical in thought, but they they may use their skill in, you know, a compliance or a quality role, which are all fabulous things to do, but you're not finding as many women coding and programming and designing as engineers because they're just not seeing a career path for themselves. They're like, I'm going to be coding for the rest of my life because there are very few women CTOs or there are few director leader women um, in these high performing roles, which is why this role was so important to me. Uh, I think every um, leadership role is is critical but to be a woman to be in the chief role to be an operations leader this is something that was really important and i hadn't seen that before in my career yeah well i love it and i think it it's actually it speaks a lot to your personality that you uh you were so um unaffected by it you're so courageous and also i think um you have such a strong sense of self that you're not as worried about what other people are doing. <laughs> and I admire that and want to <laughs> absorb it from you. Um, Thank you. So, but what advice would you give to our, our listeners about what they should be looking for in a manager? How did you along the way seek out managers that would be the ones that would allow you to speak your voice and contribute in the ways that you wanted? Right. Well, initially, you know, in the beginning, it's all about, just getting a job and working, right? So you worked for who you worked for. And I've had some um, horrible leadership. And then I've had leadership that, you know, if they called me tomorrow, I'd go find a way to support or work with them. And um, whenever I had an opportunity to select who I would work for, um, my list was short. Like, you know, I, I knew where I wanted to be in GE. There were certain leaders that I had been advocating for me. They've been great supports for me. They've pushed me. Um, they frustrated me and made me angry. They've challenged me. And then they've, you know, let me um, not only get to a point of success, but then they acknowledged it themselves. And that was a game changer. So I, when I've had a chance to do that, um, I've always chosen them. But when, you, when you're seeking, when you have an opportunity to, to, 
to actually determine who you work for. And I want to say we actually have that opportunity every time as women when we move from a place of intention. Like I never want us to take roles or opportunities out of desperation or just because it's the best we can do and we'll work for whoever and do whatever. That is not our story anymore. It does not have to be our story. And so the same way they're interviewing you, you're interviewing them and you're saying, does this leader uh, empathize with, my lifestyle and, you know, the the family or the work that I need to do? Are they um, creating an inclusive culture and workplace? Do they desire diversity in their leadership, not just hiring, but who's being promoted? And, you know, ask the question. I don't see any, any any women on your senior leadership staff. Have you had any in the past? Are you hiring any? Why not? Those questions throw throw people off. Um, But I found that instead of being afraid of that anymore, it, it it certainly makes them scratch their head and say, hmm, this person could really help us challenge the status quo in our organization. Right. I love it. You're, you are showing you them, you, that you who, them who you are, and so you, they will know whether you're a fit and vice versa. And just like you earlier said, don't be afraid to speak up in a meeting. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I love that advice. Um, so, I loved when you were talking earlier about how nice it was for you to be able to spend time with friends and family while you took a sabbatical. And I think we all gain so much strength and, and um, energy from being with our friends. How do you manage work-life balance, particularly when you've had such an extraordinary career? You've had a career that has required a lot of travel. Now you're taking on an even bigger role. How do you think about managing work-life balance? Well, that is truly a tough one. Um, I am single by choice at the moment anyway. You know, if I had other options, I would consider them, I think. And um, that, you know, my priorities have been a little different. Um, You know, who I am as a person of faith, um, as a leader in my family, and um, as an executive and servant leader, um, those are priorities for me, and so they kind of resonate. Uh, they can all be sewn up together, and they flow through one another. So, you know, my family ends up becoming a part of my career because they maybe they come with me sometimes, or they travel with me, or they're a part of this journey. Um, other times, they don't want to be some, you know. But my balance has been. Um, a work in progress. I can tell you that since sabbatical, I've done better, even though I've just been back here since January, I've definitely done well at a few things. And that is um, going home at night, you know, getting up in the morning and doing my workouts. My my fitness regimen is really important to just my capacity to think and to innovate and things like that. So I'm working out, trying to make sure that I'm eating as best I can and and resting. A lot of times the workplace has been heavy on my mind, so I have to work through that. So the things that are important to me, making sure I get back to town, to the East Coast for a wedding, you know, next month and things like that, I'm, I'm going to continue to do them. And then the, the other things um, that are a part of, my life socially, I think I just have to um, continue to work on them. But reading, my family, exercising, you know, praying, making sure that I help people as a volunteer, these are things that are priorities to me. And 
they'll they'll re- remain that way. Yes, I love it. And and you have such a methodical mind. Um, I love that you sort of yeah, you know what the priorities are. It is. It is. You know what your mission is. You know what your priorities are. And, and you're very thoughtful about, you know, how to what degree you're checking the boxes. It's very intentional. Janine, would you be willing to share with us a mistake you've made? And what did you learn from it? Wow. Yes, I would. Um, I've made several um but uh you know no regrets you just you just live life forward someone said to me once we live life forward but we learn from it um from our past experiences probably paraphrasing that um so a mistake that i've made um here's a mistake that i that i hope resonates with your audience i believe that i made a mistake very early in my career in not speaking up for myself letting other people define what what was going to be important for me in my career, um, letting them define how I would show up and how I would need to respond and be. And, and I think that there are some practices you have to take on in the workplace, yes. But for a very long time, I spoke uh, the words that other people wanted me to speak. I think I took the salary people forced me to take. I didn't push back or fight on it. Um, and and that that definitely put me in a box. And my theory has become, even if I don't get everything that I want, I'm going to be able to look myself in the mirror and say I asked for it. And so not That's standing great. up for myself uh, it was a mistake that I made very early on, and it followed me for a long time because once you start that, it takes a while to break that habit. And um, it's broken now. I mean, I broke it a while ago, but, but practicing it is something that, that I force myself to do all the time. Wow, I love that. I got little chills. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so we're going to move to our fast five. What's your Uh-oh. favorite karaoke song, Janine? <laughs> Okay, so maybe my favorite karaoke song is whatever is like on rotation when I'm on the treadmill. And right now <laughs> it is The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, like old <gasps> 90s oh. hip-hop, loving it. I was and listening so I to that recently probably, too. Right. I mean, I It doesn't get better it. than that. Right. So that thing or pretty much anything on that, that CD, I can probably karaoke oh, really good to that. It's the best <laughs> album. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. Well, and then we know the next question, which is what is your favorite place, favorite way to exercise, uh, which sounds like it's so, that treadmill. Well, the treadmill is my warm-up. I actually am in love with weight training, something I never thought I could yeah. do. I started it um, when I got to the research center in GE, got this great trainer named Adam Badger. He's in upstate New York. Amazing. And he got me weight training, and I am blown away by – the amount of weight I can put on my back and what I can squat and what I can do. And I just love the strength training. So uh, I may do a quick warm up on that treadmill, but I like tossing some weights around. Definitely. I love it. Well, it does feel very powerful, doesn't it? To feel so it strong, does. right? I come yeah. into work like, don't mess with me. Okay. <laughs> so who is one person dead or alive that you would like to have dinner with? Yeah. So I am, I've been studying my family legacy and using um, some of the products that are on the market and have been able to trace 
several generations, and it's it's amazing to me. And so I would love to meet on the side of the road, have dinner, whatever, with my great grandparents. Wow. Yeah. I would love to meet because they're they're two generations in, they were in slavery. And so then that my great grandparents were the first generation outside of slavery. Wow. I wanted, I would, I just want to look them in the eye. Wow. Yeah. I would love to do that. That's amazing. Wow. A lot to think about. Um, So, Mm -hmm. and then what book has had the greatest impact on your life? Oh, gosh. So I'm a reader. Love it. I'm a proud library card toting sister. Um, So I, you know, I I read a lot of business books. Um, I toss between business and entertainment. I I recently read um, um, a business book called Traction, and it's about EOS, which is like an operating system. and and so that was kind of a work a work thing because I want to put some of those best practices in place in my new role. But I, I love read, it. Uh, Janine, you are the first person to recommend a book about an operating system on our podcast, and I'm not really it's one oh, bit surprised. I'm telling you, it's good. <laughs> you got it. I'm telling you, it's really teaching me. And I come from a place that you know, where we have a ton of practices. So I'm bringing those with me as well. But I also needed to learn how to think differently. And this book is about startups. And so that's helping me think in this space. But I got to tell you, I I also read this book called, called The Sun Does Shine. And it's the autobiography of a man named Anthony Ray Hinton, who was on death row for like 25 years. And then finally, they they determined Exoner- that he really was innocent. Exonerated. Wow. And it's a story about forgiveness and I just was reading it, like trying to get there with him. I was like, I'm not feeling it yet, but it was teaching me a different level of forgiveness. Um, so it really pierced my heart, and um, it's a, it's an amazing story. Yeah. Wow, that's really amazing. Sounds very intense. All right. It was. So, it's a tough read. <laughs> so Janine, as you know, because you've participated in a few different Fairy God Boss events, we have a tradition. Um, mm-hmm. We ask our participants to brag about themselves. So right now I'm going to ask you to brag about yourself. Okay. Well, I'll start with something very simple. Today is, for all you math folks out there, it's Pi Day. And um, so we had an office party. Yes, we did, because we celebrate here in uh, the Valley with, with nerdy things that are also cool. And I won for best pie jokes. So I am a comedian, regardless of what my family says. So there's that. Me too. Um, yeah. So tell right. us a pie <laughs> joke. Okay. So the joke is that one anyway. Um, how much toilet paper is on this roll? I don't know. Maybe it's two ply. Get it? Two pie. Yeah. Two ply. I do. That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. Pretty, yes. okay. okay. You can tell me it's bad. I don't care. I won. I, I also it. want to say it was right. the only joke. No. <laughs> um, it was the only see, joke. That was the only pie joke. <laughs> yeah. It was a joke. I do get a ten dollars awesome. card, so it is what it is. Um, I'm also. It should have been a three dollar and fourteen cents. Starbucks card. Right. That is absolutely what it should have been, but that wouldn't have bought me anything. <laughs> hey, Nothing um, I'm also proud of um I'm proud of how um as intense an environment I'm in right now, learning 
and also working for our fiscal year plan, which is due in Berlin in two weeks, um, that I've managed to still get up five days a week and exercise. So I'm still taking that care of really myself. I'm probably eating too much of all the extra food that they have around here, but I am proud that um, that I've been exercising and taking care of myself, right? So, and um, and I'm proud that uh, after you know 16 years in in one company, which was amazing, and a year off, I am integrating swiftly into a new workspace, learning a new technology. Um, talking a new language, and I've been talking the same language for 16 years, and um, and working with you know a whole new set of people, and um, and I'm doing it every day. I love it. Yeah. That's fantastic. So before we part ways, can you leave us with one piece, one final piece of advice for our audience? One final piece of advice. <laughs> so. <laughs> This one isn't mine, but I got to give it to you because it came out of a discussion I had with one of my colleagues today who's a, a snarky Brit that I just, I love this guy. And so this is what it is. Um, even in the midst of, of contentious times in your workplace, you may be dealing with difficult leadership or difficult uh, staff, difficult colleagues, don't forget to fortify yourself. Like a lot of times, particularly as women, we are so committed to trying to make every space okay for everyone else. And I would say to you, focus on making sure that you're okay in the midst of that because honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of times failure rises to the top too. So even though we may not think it's fair, those same folks that are like giving us the business and making our life miserable are probably going to get promoted and move on up the ranks anyway. Um, and, and it'll happen for us too, but failure doesn't always fall down. A lot of times it moves to the top. So you just got to roll with it. Keep going, take care of yourself, keep your own vision and your own vision statement, your own mission in view and keep going for that goal, regardless of what's happening around you. Janine, I am so inspired, and I imagine our listeners are too. Thank you for spending time with us today. It's been wonderful talking to you, and good luck and congratulations in your exciting new role. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I love Fairy God, Boss. I love the work that you all are doing. Stay inspired. Keep doing it. Congratulations on all of the, the victories and all of the lives that you're touching, and I'm just happy to be a part of your community. We love having you. Thanks so much, Janine. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.